0: In that blessed sit home on high, when the redeemed are gathering in, how we'll sing that heavenly anthem in that city in the sky. When the redeemed are gathering in, now when the redeemed are gathering in, watch like snow and we'll cry. The redeemed, when the redeemed are gathering in, we will sing redemption story with our voices loud and long. When the redeemed are gathering in, then the angels have to listen for they cannot sing this song. When the redeemed are gathering in, now when the redeemed. Oh, when the Wash, like, Wash snow, like snow, and free from sin, oh I'm going to shout, I the sky, and I will sing, now when the redeems are gathering in, the Saviour will give orders to prepare the banquet board. when the redeems are gathering in, oh, and will hear His invitation, come ye blessed are the Lord, when the redeems gathering and we'll hear His invitation, come ye blessed are the Lord, when the redeems
1: For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. A dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, raptured with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hello, everyone. I'm Chapel John McTernan. Well, how do you know? I hadn't looked up. It didn't come across. There we go. First Thessalonians four, seventeen through eighteen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. All right. Hello everyone. I'm Chaplain John McTernan, and this is our Sunday night show, <clears throat> and it's, um, it's, it's connected with prophetic events, things that are very important for the church to know, and uh, always, sort of the heart of it is uh, Israel, and particularly Jerusalem, and we've got, uh, a, 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 I mean, the fur is flying now, folks, from, in a prophetic sense. And uh, to to my opinion, and I know in Brother Dave's opinion, because we talk about it, uh, there's no turning back. You just, based on what's happened um, already, there's there's no turning back. So, with that, let me get uh, Brother Dave Hauser. Hello, Brother Dave. Well, shalom and maranatha, John. Yes, maranatha and shalom to you. Thank you. Are are you ready for the uh,
2: scriptures in 1 Corinthians 15? Sure, I'm ready, John. All set. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I like the way that
1: ends, okay. therefore, my beloved Amen. brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now that's all connected with the rapture folks. For as much as ye you know that your labor is not in vain in the work. Okay, uh, there's a scriptures from Titus uh two thirteen in particular that has to do what what we should be doing now. In this time, that's looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. There's the rapture, the blessed hope, Christ coming for us, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope, Dave, are you living with it? Every day, John, every day. Amen, amen. Uh, If we don't live with the blessed hope today, folks, you're going to get drained spiritually. Um, This, the... uh, of the events of the world. I mean, we're we're rapidly heading into the tribulation period, and all the evil that surrounds that, and the foundation of the tribulation periods are being laid right in front of our eyes right now. So, we want to uh, be looking for that blessed hope, and we'll never burn out, folks, never. Um. So let's get. Let me get back here. Brother Dave, hang on. And I want to get set for, okay. Um, now we talked, uh, earlier today, Dave. And after we talked, I did a little bit more research that I like kind of get to the very minute of uh, update about uh, Israel and Jerusalem. And there's something here that I put my attention and I want to share it right away. All right, Dave. Sure. And then I'll cut you loose. Uh, here's the headline: Hostile foreign Islamists infiltrating East Jerusalem. Now does that sound like something that's fitting for what's going on there? I think Zachariah would know all about it. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty good okay. uh this is from um the front it's called the front page. I get a lot of good information from them. And uh, let me read just a little bit of what's going on here. The ongoing war in Gaza and Lebanon, initiated by Hamas and Hezbollah, and instigated by Iran, is center stage in our national strategic consciousness. However, we cannot neglect malicious activity within our city capital of Jerusalem, which is which, if not addressed, will impact peace-loving Jews. Muslim, and Christians, and others. Two of the main players in this ongoing problem are Qatar and Turkey, whose anti-Israel stances are well known. So what they're doing is they are looking at uh, Turkey and Qatar, are sending like they're working with, with uh, legally, I guess you would call it, agent provocateurs. Um, they're... They're getting strategic people in East Jerusalem, trying to raise up uh, uh, rebellion and terrorism. The Turkish Cooperation and Coordination Agency has renewed its activities in eastern Jerusalem after several year-long shutdown by Israel by the Israelis. Acting under the auspices of Turkish President Erdogan, uh, it's called T.I.K.A. works closely with the Yunus, I can't even pronounce these words, cultural center in Jerusalem. Their agenda is to delegitimize Israel, support the resistance, aka terrorism, and cultivate anti-Israeli cultural events and activities. At least two of these Turkish bodies, um, directed by senior Hamas figure, Jaha Jihad is the name, Yamarun, are also supporters of the resistance against Israel. These are essentially fronts for Hamas activities in Jerusalem. So, Dave, uh, this war that started on October 7, although the fighting is not in Jerusalem or surrounding Jerusalem or anything like that right now, the fighting started over Jerusalem, there. Any comments about Exactly that? the Alaska Deluge. Yes. Yes. Operation, they call it the Operation Um Uh Al Alexa. That's what they call it. Operation Alexa Deluge. Um so it talks about uh they're trying to um unify now uh, in East Jerusalem, basically an uprising. It says here, when the Palestinian, when the Arab Palestinians are encouraged to believe that their opposition to Israel's existence has foreign and political financial support, they will not aim for peaceful coexistence with Israel. The Arab neighborhood in, in Jerusalem is rife with tension between the locals. Some favor tranquility so they can go to work and support their families, and others favor, uh, antagonization. Uh, and anti-Israel activities such as protests and terrorism. These actions are strengthened by extremist Islamic elements such as Hamas, the Muslim Brotherhood, and other extremist clerics. Unfortunately, it seems that Turkey and Hamas operatives together with terrorists released in the uh, oh oh that was some deal internal deal Israel made with them are working to establish terror cells by exploiting local charities, nonprofits, organizations, and family Uh connections. Considering these few examples of the anti-Israel activities in Jerusalem, we must figure out what can be done to improve the lives and future of all good residents. Well, Dave, we know from the scriptures that as this goes forward, um, there is not going to be any co- cooperation because there's it's only going to be war uh, because that's where this is all heading, Dave. Exactly. And the war is the ground zero of it, as it is right now, is Jerusalem. And all this stuff we hear about the Palestinian rights and Israeli impression, uh, the oppression, and um, I'm trying to think of what else would be there. Uh, when you follow Hamas, that has nothing to do with it at all. That's just made up propaganda here for the public. If you read, if you read Hamas's writings, which I have posted here, um, they say that the war is over Jerusalem. Quite, and they even said it's not over anything about the, uh, about the Gazans and their rights. They say it is over the Alexka Mosque and the Temple Mount being defiled by the Jews who are apes and pigs that is their writings uh, so this battle that's taking place right now all, although it is centered in Gaza and the propaganda is it has to do about the rights of the Gazan citizens it's it's all smoke screen Dave the actual battle that's taking place is literally over Jerusalem, but even more than Jerusalem, I mean, right dabs, dead center, and the bullseye is the Temple Mount. Any
2: comments? Exactly, John. Um, and Hamas is calling for the Muslim nations all across the world to basically help them in a struggle against Israel, which is not surprising.
1: Right. Right. So I think that up, that updates uh, about Jerusalem there. So although folks, you, you know, we haven't necessarily heard anything. Um, actually, Jerusalem's been pretty quiet, Dave. You know, it's, it's been pretty quiet. But behind the scenes, uh, this is working now for an uprising in East Jerusalem against uh, against Israel, and also. There's no doubt that they're working for an uprising in the, what's the West Bank, which the Bible calls Judea and Samaria. And Dave, uh, I think I'm going to change that and refer to it as Judea and Samaria. And if I have to qualify it by saying, you know, the world calls it, calls it the West Bank, I'm going to use the, uh, the biblical expression for it now. Good idea. All, all the time. All right, Dave. So is there anything that you want to add about what's going on in Jerusalem? We know behind the scenes uh, they're working to have it a boiling cauldron there of, uh, 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 of uh, fighting and up rebellion.
2: Sure. John, one of the biggest things that I think happened, okay, I'll read the article. The Biden administration on Friday restored a U.S. legal finding dating back nearly 50 years, that Israeli settlements in the occupied Palestinian territories are are illegitimate under international law. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said the United States believes settlements are inconsistent with Israel's obligations, reversing a determination made by his predecessor, Mike Pompeo, in the Biden administration's latest shift away from pro-Israel policies pursued by former President Donald Trump. Blinken's comments came in response to a reporter's question about an announcement that Israel would build more than 3,300 new homes in, they say in West Bank, we know it's Judea settlements, as a uh, repository to a fatal as a response to a fatal Palestinian shooting attack. It wasn't clear why Blinken chose this moment, more than three years into his tenure, to reverse Pompeo's decision, but it came at a time of growing U.S.-Israeli tensions over the war in Gaza, with the latest settlement announcement only adding to the strain. It also came as the United Nations' highest court, the International Court of Justice, is holding hearings into the legality of Israeli occupation. Biden administration officials did not cast Blinken's comments as a reversal, but only because they claim Pompeo's determination was never issued formally. Biden administration lawyers concluded Pompeo's determination was merely his opinion and not legally binding, according to two administration officials who spoke on conditions of anonymity. But. Formally issued or not, Pompeo's announcement in November 2019 was widely accepted as U.S. policy, and had not been publicly repudiated until Blinken spoke on Friday. Blinken said the United States was disappointed to learn of new settlement plans announced by Israel's far-right firebrand minister uh, Bazel Smootrich. There we go. After three Palestinian gunmen opened fire on cars near. Uh, a settlement killing one Israeli and wounding five. Blinken condemned the attack, but said the United States is opposed to settlement expansion and made clear that Washington would once again abide by the Carter administration-era legal finding that determined settlements were not consistent with international law. So, John, Zacharias says all nations are going to gather against Israel. All of a sudden, the United States that is supposedly Israel's, uh, you know, most, um, you know, Uh, aggressive uh, backer to what's going on all of a sudden now um, they're also talking about East Jerusalem and Judea and exactly what Zachariah says now now the United States is reversing policy and it's happening simultaneously as the International Criminal Court which is the United Nations uh, Criminal Court basically I think over 50 countries are presenting cases against Israel. And some of them are actually saying that, um, number one, it's uh, a violation of international law that Israel has settlements in the uh, Judea, the West Bank, but they actually want them to dis- disassemble these uh, settlements. So, John, when we've been talking about this for so long, um, states, um, it's such a direct connection with what Zechariah says, Jerusalem and Judea would be a burdensome stone and all the nations of the earth would be gathered together against him. It would be like Jewish people actually watching the crucifixion, reading Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, and not seeing a direct connection with what they're visually seeing. So sad to say, a lot of these pastors are theologically lobotomized. And I'm trying to be very diplomatic about it. But saying they're theologically lobotomized, not to make a connection, this is the fuse of Armageddon, the fuse is lit, and this is, you know, going to set the stage for the second coming of Jesus, the king of kings. He's going to sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem. Um, it's not spiritual Jerusalem, it's actual Jerusalem, and it's actually happening right in front of rise John. So this is what should be happening. The pastors, if they have a steeple in their church, should get a big ladder and climb to the top of the steeple and start shouting about what's happening. It's so obvious. It's crazy that they're not talking about it, John.
1: Well, Dave, uh, you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) I'm with you. Um, So, Dave, if they don't do it, uh, we'll do it. Uh, Well, that's exactly what we're doing, John. And we've been doing it for a long time. Yes, yes. So what we'll do is uh, we'll preach it. And right now we're doing it through the prophecy pack, uh, and we're doing it with the latest brochure that is out, the final battle over Jerusalem and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we, we just pray for more opportunities to, um, to do the Zen run, Dave. Now I have to say this, you know, there's a bigger world out there than the United States. And it's very exciting what's happening in particularly, uh, East Africa in, with this ministry and Kenya. Now they how many years has Kenya been like ground zero for this ministry with the prophecy packet, how many years Dave? well, John,
2: to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you exactly, but it's been going on for years, John, years and years. And, uh, like I said, I don't know exactly, but, um, a long, long time, John. Right, and the nice right. thing with Kenya. Yeah. A lot of the pastors have been shipping materials to other, um, right. countries, uh, you know, next to Kenya. So okay. it wasn't just Kenya, but, um, yeah, for many, many years. The reason I'm saying that is, uh, the, uh, brochure
1: there. I call it the Jerusalem brochure is literally igniting a fire. Dave. And, uh, I I'll just quickly uh summarize this. A uh, Bible uh u- a university in Uganda is working with Pastor Zephaniah mm-hmm. and myself who who are out working through Kenya and a thousand pastors. They they have a thousand Guys, pastors in their yeah. um Yeah. They have a thousand hey. pastors working in their um to college. Uh, They're joining us. They're joining us in the uh, cry out unto the Lord for our covenant. Uh, They have 10,000 of the brochures right now, and they're distributing them. They're teaching this prophecy um, through the brochure to all the students. And they have a goal of reaching all Africa with this message. Now, in Africa, they don't know Bible prophecy like it's known here. So, this teaching on uh, the final battle over Jerusalem and the second coming of Christ is like a revelation to a lot of them. so right now, through this ministry, we have uh a request for about fifty thousand brochures, primarily in um uh Kenya well no beyond Kenya, it would be East Africa the pastors that are a part of Abba Fathers International Fellowship. They are astonished at it. They are, I mean, it's causing like uh, revival fire in them. And last week Zephaniah and his church distributed about, um, well, probably his church, he, he was in Uganda, uh, probably about 2000 brochures there in Nairobi. They got an incredible response. Some people read it and confessed Christ. They're, they're st- are coming to the church now, and I don't know how many of them were delivered to the Muslims, Muslim community in Nairobi, in Makuru, Kayaba, uh, and Imams. And ho- hopefully I'm going to know tomorrow an update from Pastor Zephaniah about what's going on, folks. So I, I just want you to know this here, uh, if nothing else, this brochure is igniting, uh, revival fire in um in East Africa but to the point where that university wants to reach all of Africa uh, I want to save a little time because we want to cover some more material but um I'm getting tremendous feedback from um Pastor Jamil also in um uh, uh Pakistan uh Brother Henry Kaduza in Malawi uh they're all picking this up and running so, Dave, if um, if nothing else in America, I mean, we're picking it up now that they're running with the ball. I mean, running, sprinting with it in Africa, Dave. So we got to look at God will work with anyone. And if in America they're slow and they're not working, well, look what's going on in uh, Kenya, Dave.
2: Exactly, John. It's exciting.
1: Um, all right. So let's look at some more of these. Uh, another article, Dave, um, said, it, now this is, uh, something that we've been talking about. Israel will increase strikes on Hezbollah even during potential Gaza truce. So this is, um, I, I don't think there's, all right. His, in this article, I'll summarize it. The goal is to drive Hezbollah back. There's a river. In fact, I'm going to have to get a map of Lebanon. And look at where the Latini River is in Lebanon. But the goal of Israel, they said, is to push Hezbollah back to the Latini River. I I don't, Dave, they're, well, maybe they can't quite say it now. But their goal has to be to crush Hezbollah. Hezbollah, you push it back to Latini River, they'll just bide their time till they get stronger and they'll continue to fight. I mean, they're clear. They want to destroy Israel, but anyways, well, I, I don't. I think that that may be uh, may, that may be true. What Israel wants to do, uh, but there's no way that this is uh, with Hezbollah. Hezbollah is going to be pushed back to the Latini River without an all-out confrontation with Israel. With probably Syria coming in and Iraq coming in and Iran coming in and the whole. I, I just can't see it there. I just can't, and I think Israel is making a big mistake if they don't move right now to finish off Hezbollah, because if they push them back and have a ceasefire, well, Hezbollah will just get that many more sophisticated missiles and and drones from Iran, and they'll save it for the next go-around, which might be even more deadly for Israel. Yeah, Dave, your comments on that?
2: Yeah, John. Just like you said, um Hezbollah is not going to voluntarily voluntarily evacuate north of the Lit- Litani River. That's not going to happen. Right. And in order for it's about 80 to 100,000 uh Israelis that evacuated from the border near Lebanon, in order for them to go back, they can't go back unless Hezbollah, like you mentioned, uh is pushed back. Um one of the senior military uh uh advisors basically said that they going to basically send Lebanon back into the Stone Age. And we know that's going to happen, John. And the, the other big thing that's coming up, too, is um, Israel uh, basically uh, is taking control of mostly of Gaza. The, uh, the south of Gaza, Rafah, there's over a million uh, Palestinians kind of, you know, squeezed into this little section down here. But Israel says there's three battalions left of Hamas uh, fighters that they have to take care of. So they're giving Hamas till, I think, uh, March 10th, which is the beginning of Ramadan, uh, to release all the hostages. Otherwise, they're going to go into Rafa. And if you check the news, uh, the entire planet's saying, well, you better not do that because it's going to be a humanitarian catastrophe, which is absolutely true. And we talked about it, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Sad to say, Obadiah basically says that um, Israel's enemies, what you plan on doing to Israel is going to happen to you. Well, when they chant from the river to the sea, they're basically talking about genocide. They want to get rid of, uh, Israel. Hamas's covenant, like you pointed out, John, uh, basically says they want to, uh, remove Israel from the planet. And that's exactly what's happening to them. You look at the aerial, uh, drone footage of what happened to Gaza, they can't move back to northern Gaza. There's nothing left. There's no infrastructure. Um, It's just, you know, really, really bad, John. And, you know, we talked earlier about uh, the Alaska Mosque. Um, Israel right now is working on a plan to restrict access to the Alaska Mosque uh, during Ramadan. And it happened, uh, I think it was last year possibly, that it caused a huge uproar, protests all across the West Bank, uh, riots at the mosque. So, this is happening, uh, you know, like in two weeks. Um, you know, they're also talking about trying to work out a hostage deal release with Hamas and a uh, ceasefire. Who knows what's going to happen? But well, Dave, uh, it's very, very volatile.
1: Yeah, Dave, you nailed it really good. Now, I wanted to add to what you were saying. The reason Israel wants to restrict access during uh, Ramadan is because it to the, uh, um, to the Temple Mount is uh, a lot of the uh, hotheads and agent provocateurs and all that get uh, active and they want to cause a confrontation with Israel. So Israel is restricting it basically to military age male. So that would be like, uh, I don't know, 16 to 40 or something like that. So the young can come in, the old can come in, the females can come in, but not the not the military age males. That's who they're restricting it from, Dave. Now, there's something else you said that flipped out of my mind. Here, I wanted to comment on. Give me a summation
2: of what you just said, Dave. Well, basically, um, by Ramadan, um, Israel is telling Hamas that you have to release the hostages. If you don't, they're going to go into Rafa, and there's three battalions supposedly of Hamas, uh, you know, fighters that they have to eliminate. But uh, They're saying, you know, that the people in Rafa have to uh, evacuate. Well, where are they going to go? So the entire planet is saying, hey, you better not do that. And um, it's just really going to be, how can we say, a powder keg. Yeah. um, Especially, you know, when they uh, restrict access to the Alaska mosque, because it happened, you know, a while ago they did that. And like you pointed out, John, there's going to be riots.
1: Yeah. So folks, um Rafa is a like section like Gaza has divisions in it, and there's like Gaza City and there's um, and other names for other cities in there. so Rafa is the southernmost part of Gaza, and it borders directly with Israel uh with Egypt, so there's no place. For, uh, Hamas to go, other than perhaps getting under tunnels, getting under the tunnels that go under, uh, the Egyptian border. But from what I understand, they maybe have cut, been cut off, Dave, that, uh, Hamas are you know, trapped. Now, a battalion, as I understand it, is a thousand. So there are 3,000, um, Hamas fighters left. And there were 20, battalions or 22 battalions, something like that. And Israel has destroyed um, all, but well, however many, however many battalions there were, Israel has destroyed all, but um, three or four of them. Uh, so Hamas is cornered now. And there are all sorts of refugees who've been forced because the fighting started in the north. So they fled from the north of Gaza to the south. But like Dave said, there's no place to go back to in the North. It looks like the moon. <laughs> it looks like, uh, uh, Hiroshima after World War II. Uh, so that's the point. That's where it is right now. And Hamas wants to use the refugees as, co- I mean, well, whatever you call them, the citizens as cover. And the more of them that are killed, the more sympathy they get from, uh, from the world. And Israel is the big bad boogeyman in this and uh so they're trying to flip it dave from hamas being the terrorist vicious murdering organization it is to the victim that's what they're trying to do they're trying to flip it and israel is going to uh do the best it can but hamas has to be destroyed and the um the Gazans seem to, the Palestinians there, the Gazans, you know, the, they've been, how many years now, Dave? What, 15, 16 years? In, uh, Hamas has been in control of Gaza since exactly, John, 20, yes. 2006, which 14, that's 16, uh, 20 years. It's almost 20 years, like 18, 20 years. I didn't hear the world say a word about what Gaza was doing while it was in control. I didn't hear any protests. Uh, from, from the Arab world, from anyone. Um, Gaza, the Hamas had started, I think, five confrontations against Israel that were minor, minor, and Israel would bloody Hamas. They'd sue for peace. The United States and the UN would jump in there. Israel would have a ceasefire and they would wait t- two more years and then they'd have another one. So this one here, Hamas went over the top and Israel said, that's it we're going to obliterate you. So that's where we are, folks. Um, Israel has every intention of destroying Hamas structure, its army, its structure in, um, in Gaza. And apparently Dave, they've done quite a job as I followed this, uh, destroying all these, um, tunnels. I mean, it was really sophisticated tunnels. They got a hold of Hamas's, uh, money millions and millions of dollars in cash and then records of where the deposits are big cash uh, storages have been destroyed their uh, missile making they have an underground missile making uh, plant that was destroyed Um, and whatever else they could do they've been destroying it so the the naysayers said Israel can never do this it'll take years and years and Israel will take horrific casualties. Well, they've taken casualties, but, um, <laughs> insignificant compared to what these naysayers were saying. And right now, Dave, um, I, I, I think based on what's happened already, um, I give it, um, um, probably six weeks to two mo- to two months for Israel to finish off Hamas in Gaza. And then, um, they have to in my opinion they have to take on hezbollah and destroy it even if uh syria is going to join in it and they have iraqi basically militias who are 100 percent Shiite and maybe the sunnis would join too and then iran it may suck them all in they I don't see how, what can, how How in the world can Israel say, okay, you get back behind the Latini River and uh, we're going to live happily ever after.
2: Yeah, Dave. That's not going to happen, John. And it's in the news. I think it was in the news last week. Iran now has enough um, enriched uranium to make a nuclear weapon. And they have the parts. And we haven't talked about it in a while, but uh, they've been in bed with the North Koreans that already have nuclear weapons. So there's a possibility they kind of already have a nuclear weapon and israel has made it very clear that they're not going to allow iran to get a nuclear weapon why because iran is threatening to destroy israel also so it's just a matter of time john before exactly what you said is going to happen
1: yeah right so the longer israel waits the stronger um iran gets uh, the stronger, uh, Syria gets, and uh, because Syria is being supplied by Iran, and the stronger, um Hezbollah gets. Now, uh, Israel is, um, uh, bombing rather significant targets, uh, in, uh, Iraq, in Syria, and in Lebanon of, uh, supplies coming into Hezbollah. Um, so that has been, uh, Big plus for Israel, but you don't you don't want any of this sophisticated weapons. And Dave, I wouldn't put it past Iran if they got a nuclear weapon, they smuggled it to um, Lebanon and put it on one of these uh, missiles in uh, Hezbollah, and uh, or, or one of these drones. Now a drone would be uh, it would have to be a big drone to carry that, but they would attempt. To, uh, to hit Israel with a nuclear weapon. I wouldn't be surprised, Dave. That's how insane they are. They're insane with their hatred for Israel. And in the bottom line in all of this is Israel is going to be backed up by the Lord, Dave. Israel is in, in existence today for one reason, and that's the everlasting covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the promise there's uh, there's promise in, in the prophets about well, the reason for Israel was dispersed and the promise is God's going to bring them back into the land and they're back and the promise is that Jerusalem is once again going to be the capital in fact Zechariah 12:6 says that uh, Jerusalem shall be inhabited again even in her own place even in Jerusalem and they're back they're back uh and then we have the prophecies on top of Israel, the prophecies about uh, Jerusalem. So folks, um, uh, this is going to get a lot worse before the final confrontation between uh, the Lord, the Holy God of Israel and Islam and their, their Allah. It's going to get a lot worse. It's going to get more intense. And, uh, at the end, uh, God's going to be glorified by no matter how big the army is, no matter how, uh, how what the numbers are or anything like that, uh, they are going to be destroyed as they come against Jerusalem, Dave. And that's where all this is heading. And what a time we live, uh, that this is literally unfolding right before our eyes. Yeah,
2: Dave. Yeah, John, two other things I want to talk about, too. A um, little article about Israel's economy. Um oh, Israel's yeah. economy contracted. Very important. Yeah. It. Very important. Yeah. Israel's economy contracted by 19.4 annual rate in the last quarter. So in 90 days, we'll round it off, Israel's economy collapsed. Let's not say contracted, collapsed by almost 20%. It's the steepest decline since uh, Second quarter twenty twenty when the economy shrank uh during the coronavirus. And then another article, John, about West Bank Palestinians paying the price for Gaza's war. Okay. Uh do you want me to read a little bit of that one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because they're having a big trouble too. Yeah, yeah, sure.
2: Okay. Um Kamal Karaja used to earn um thirty five hundred dollars a month working on construction sites in Israel. A good living for a Palestinian in the occupied West Bank. But after Hamas assault on Israel on October seventh and the retaliatory Israeli airstrikes and ground invasion of the Gaza Strip, his permit was canceled. Israel cited security concerns. <clears throat> I waited for the war to end, but it's still ongoing, he said. I had to sell my car after month due my money due to money problems. The Palestinian Authority said two hundred thousand workers are affected mostly in the West Bank. Uh, he said his three-year-old daughter notices that I'm not buying as much food and vegetables for the house as before. She asked me why I no longer buy her chocolate and crisps. Hundreds of men in his town are sitting at home for the same reason, the economy is ground to a halt. After months of job seeking, he got two weeks' work on a construction site in the West Bank, but his employer had to lay him off due to the worsening financial situation. He has now started cutting down trees and selling firewood to local residents. Selling firewood is worth 2% of the salary he used to get from working in Israel. Israeli checkpoints used to be crammed with Palestinian workers waiting to cross into Israel. He did not receive any compensation from the authorities or his employer when his permit was canceled. Like many other Palestinian workers, he was employed without contract. Palestinians working in Israel and those working in Israeli settlements in the West Bank accounted for nearly one in five of all Palestinian workers before October 7th. Israeli settlements in the occupied West Bank are considered illegal under international law, though Israel disputes this. And it goes on. It uh, basically says, um, while some Israeli business groups lobbied for Palestinian workers to be allowed back, the government has come up with a different plan. It wants to replace Palestinian workers and plans to admit more than 60,000 workers from different countries. And it goes on. So their economy, I think I think it went down like 30%. So it's an economic collapse, very similar to the Great Depression, John. That's how quickly it's happening.
1: Yeah, and I don't know, would that force Israel, Dave? Let's say uh, there's a really intense battle, and in a month the uh, Hamas is pushed back to the Latini border. Would that force Israel then? To say okay, we'll have a ceasefire so that they can bring their people back and get the
2: economy going because they can't sustain it. Not not with Hezbollah, John, because Hezbollah um, is much more powerful than Hamas. They have you know reports between 100,000 and 150,000 missiles. Some of them are precision guided, like GPS. They can hit exact sites. So um, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, And it could happen tomorrow afternoon. It could happen a month from now. We don't know. But Israel, it's just very simple. The people can't go back to northern Israel unless Hezbollah is uh, relocated permanently.
1: Yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Dave. Uh, But the factor in it is how long. No, in other words, Israel will look at not what we're discussing, but the immediate economic situation where I mean, there's 100, 80 to 100,000 people displaced on the northern border. They push um, uh, Hezbollah back. Maybe they'll move north, Dave. Maybe the uh, uh, the Israeli army will move north to the to Litani River, and then they'll tell the people, "Okay, come back. We'll guarantee your safety." Because the the only reason to do that would be they can't endure. Their economy can't hold up. Any longer because of the amount of displaced workers and the uh, their their farmers, a lot of farmers are up there. The the farms are going wild, and the crops aren't being uh, harvested, and uh, and all of that.
2: So, I could see that Dave as a possibility. I could. Yeah, John. The other thing with the economic impact with Israel is not just the eighty thousand people that have had to relocate because of the war. From what I understand, is three hundred thousand reservists that got called up um, that are also not participating in the economy right now and that's creating huge problems also.
1: Yeah, that's another, that's a good point, Dave. So, folks, I would not be surprised if uh, out of dire economic necessity Israel, uh, the chances are no, the slim, but there is a possibility that uh, Hezbollah would have to sue like for a, a truce here with Israel because they've taken so much damage and Israel um, has to uh, get the reservists down back into the economy and get the 100,000 uh, displaced people back in their homes and starting uh, production again. So that's something to consider today. You know, that's something to consider. Um, I also want to mention now... In everything that's going on, Dave, uh, with, I, in fact, I was shocked when I came across this. With everything that's going on in Israel, uh, today in Israel, there was a riot against Netanyahu. I mean, you talk about aiding the enemy. And, you know, th- these are really Israeli haters. They have to be. Or otherwise, they are stupid beyond measure. Let me just read the article. Uh, As hope for deal bills, hostages, hostage square, chaos erupts at a nearby anti Netanyahu rally. At least two. uh, And I I watched it, Dave, um, on the news. It was it was pretty tough. I mean, they were cracking these uh, protesters. There was a lot of police on horses. And they would come by, and the ones that didn't move, they were cracking them on the side of the head, knocking them down. At least two arrested demonstrators were leaders of the protest movement against the government, according to the spokespeople for a loose affiliation of groups um, called, titled, Israel, Israeli Pro-Democracy Protest Movement. Several people required medical treatment. After the clashes in which mounted police knocked over some 10 individuals and pushed the crowd back. So here you are, you know, fighting Hamas that just did these horrific things. Uh, you're in a, uh, you know, like a fight to the finish with Hamas, although Israel has really got the upper hand. And you have protesters out there um, protesting against Netanyahu. Now, uh, Dave, uh, it just goes to show
2: the uh, how braindid they are, Dave. Yeah, Dave? Exactly like you said, John. Um, they should be concerned about one thing, national security, and the fact that they're in a ring of fire surrounded by countries <clears throat> that want to vaporize them. <clears throat> That's all they should be concerned about. That's it. And, you know, I understand, you know, uh, they have a democracy. They have uh, a lot of... <laughs> Left wing lunatics that, um, you know, are pro abortion and all sorts of other crazy things, pro uh, homosexuality. Uh, I don't know what they're protesting about, but um, they should kind of relax until uh, Israel is more secure, John.
1: Right, right. But they've, they're, they're brain dead, They're They're literally right, exactly brain right. dead. Literally. And we've got them here, too, Dave. we We have them here in, in college campuses and I guess the center of them would be the college campuses. But I look at these protesters, they're communists, atheists, woke. um, What else would they be? I I know I'm leaving some out. And they're protesting with Hamas uh, on the college campuses and big protests going to Washington. And if Hamas had their way, well, they would use them. And then when they're finished with them, they'd kill them all. Uh, So, what can I say? I mean, you talk about blindness. Uh, Here is a Hamas spokesman. Hamas could not have anticipated Israel's response to October 7. When the Al-Qusan brigades did what they did on October um, 7, the interviewer asked, did they have any expectation regarding the consequences of the attack? He responded that no one had anticipated Israel's response. Nobody in the whole world expected them to be so barbaric. (laughs) Oh, Dave, uh, this is Hamas talking about Israel being barbaric and in such a violation of all international laws, treaties, and norms. So we're going to overlook, forget, not pay any attention to what Hamas did, and we're going to focus, I mean, this is right out of uh, Goebbels' propaganda, in world, Nazi propaganda in World War II. And in all such violations of all international laws, treaty, and norms, nobody expected the Israeli response to be so barbaric because ultimately the resistant fighter, resistant fights, I don't know, ultimately the resistant fights soldiers it is, oh, 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 I see what they're saying. Oh, only Hamas fights soldiers, Dave. Uh, tell that to all those women and children and old people uh that were murdered there, uh young kids uh, that were murdered on October 7th. It is not fighting civilians with planes and tanks. So Israeli is not fair, Dave. The Israelis aren't fair. You know, in scriptures, you remember, the Lord said before you go out with the army, you got to count the cost, Dave. Exactly. And uh, apparently, Hamas did not account account the cost. They thought Israel wouldn't uh, ex- uh, uh, respond like it did. So they're the victim now. They <laughs> Hamas. Oh, they know that they know how to play this propaganda for the Western mind. They really do. So uh Israel is the is a barbaric aggressor because they are using all the weapons at their disposal to destroy Hamas and Hamas doesn't like that that's not fair to but it is fair to uh get old people and uh kill them in barbaric ways to kill children uh to take babies and put them in ovens and to absolutely violate. Uh, every woman that they could get their hands on and whatever else they did, I mean it's all barbaric. That's okay, Dave. That's okay. That's within the rules of law, international law. Uh wow. All right. The land oh, oh Dave, this is interesting. Uh they have found that or uh, it's an estimated twenty four thousand American citizens currently serve in Israeli military according to the Israeli Defense Forces Isn't, and so it's like uh, the uh, the Israelis are shocked at this it says it's not surprising to see Americans disproportionately represented <clears throat> represented uh, many American Jews who have immigrated to Israel are very idealistic tens of thousands have come in recent decades uh, inspired by Zionist or Jewish aspirations they couldn't fulfill in the United States. Their commitment to Israel and to its military grew deep. So there you go, Dave. I had no idea that there were 24,000 American citizens in, in the Israeli army. And the last thing I want to bring up is about the U.N., UN rights officials, plural, call for Israeli arms embargo. And then um, the uh, response from Israel is the UN is cooperating with Hamas. I'm quoting from the article. In the statement issued under the auspices of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, the rights expert said all countries have a responsibility not to sell weapons if it is expected given the facts of the past patterns of behavior that they would be used to violate international law the same thing went for military intelligence the statement noted in response to the statement the foreign minister of israel reiterated that israel was fighting the war in self-defense And that even in the face of the war crimes and crimes against humanity committed by Hamas terrorists, Israel acted in a, in a well and will continue to act in accordance with the international law. So Dave, ah, this, this is deep and it's no, no surprise, but the UN, you see, Israel can do no right. And as, as, as the Jews are being killed and being. Their rights denied and all of that, uh, they'll get sympathy, Dave. You know, they'll get sympathy from the world, we'll say. Now, an element in the world will say, good, I'm glad to see it. But here, Israel is uh, flexing its military muscle for all to see, and they're aghast. You know, uh, war crimes. Israel's committing war, war crimes, war crimes. Not a word about Hamas, Dave. Not a word. Not one word about what Hamas did. Why isn't the UN um, charging Hamas with war crimes? And that uh, they're going to be brought to international court for what they've done. You know, like something like the Nuremberg trials. Not a word, Dave, about it. It's all flipped 180 degrees. And Israel is the bad guy. And Hamas... Is hiding behind all of the civilians and their victims there. Their victims. And it runs everywhere. It's really coming strong now in the United States with Biden. They're almost there by some of the things they're saying. European Union, uh, all these Islamic groups, um, the rioters, the protesters, Hamas now is the victim there. Well, it looks like uh we're out of time, but this is pretty well up to date about what's going on, Dave. Um we'll see what Israel does. I I think Hamas's hands are tied in this because um they've been damaged so greatly by Israel that Israel's got the stronger hand and basically says, You gotta do the ceasefire my our way, Israel's way, not your way. And, uh, Hamas might need that time to regather and strengthen and, uh, figure out what to do because Israel is constantly bombing them. Uh, their soldiers are constantly advancing and it's just, they're, they're surrounding, uh, Rafa now. So what's Hamas going to do, Dave?
2: What do you think? Well, we'll have to wait and see, John, but, um, Supposedly, uh, negotiators are working on a hostage release uh, deal uh, with Israel, and um, I think it was during the week that uh, Hamas proposed something, and Benjamin Netanyahu basically said their proposal was delusional. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, they're working on it. And it'll be, you know, some type of ceasefire if they do do it. And they're going to exchange Palestinian uh, prisoners with uh, the hostages.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like I shared with Hamas, uh, Hamas's take, they had no idea that Israel would react like this. It's, right. quite, a, it's quite an eye-opener for uh, Iran. It's quite an eye-opener for Hezbollah, for Syria. Or Hamas, wherever it is, in Judea and Samaria, East Jerusalem. Hamas is active in Jordan. Uh, it's quite a, an eye-opener to see, uh, the destructive power of Israel. And they really have to weigh the cost of provoking, you know, a completely all-out war with Israel. Like right now it's like jabbing. It's throwing jabs. Israel's throwing jabs at, Hezbollah. Uh, I was talking about Hezbollah if I said Hamas. And, uh, so they're they're kind of caught. If we don't continue the fight, look how they, look at the picture, uh, this sets for the Arab world to see what Iran did in not defending Hamas and Hezbollah. You know, Hezbollah, I mean, it's, it's engaged with Israel, but it's, it's not like Hamas is. It's not an all-out war like Hamas is. So in the Arab world, uh, this is a tremendous defeat for Iran. If they don't uh, respond fully then, it's a tremendous defeat for them. Israel, the Hamas uh, attacked Israel. Israel counter-attack and obliterated Hamas. And Iran didn't do anything. So uh, there's a lot lined up here, Lord, uh, Dave. There's a lot at stake. So week by week, uh, we'll keep everybody on the cutting edge. But I, I think we're right to the to almost a minute on the cutting edge of what's taking place, Dave, in, uh, in Israel and the Middle East and with Iran and everything else that's taking place. Dave, any, uh, final comments about, uh, last
2: week and what went on in Israel and the Middle East? Yeah, sure. Well, John, by next Sunday, the entire situation could change. We don't absolutely, know. Um, absolutely. And, yeah, I watch Israeli news. I tape it, and I watch Israeli news every day, you know, live from Tel Aviv. And you can see the reporters on the border of Gaza, the reporters on the border of Lebanon, and they give you an update of exactly what's going on. But uh, to say it's volatile is being euphemistic, John. It's very volatile.
1: Dave. Let's say uh, Iran and Syria, whoever's working together there with Hezbollah, send a, a massive attack into Israel, missiles and drones and all. And uh, Israel shoots down ninety percent, but ten get ten th- percent get through, and they hit a couple schools and a hospital, and three hundred Israelis are dead and uh, five hundred. Or wounded. Do you think Israel is going to stop at the Latini River? No, they're going to put uh, Lebanon back into the Stone Age. Right, exactly. Um, Exactly. Exactly. So this is volatile, folks. This is volatile. And for the next show, if I can remember it, I want to uh, look at this, I call it mysterious Latini River in Lebanon. And Dave, if my memory serves me correct, wasn't there sub- part of a uh, decision Israel made uh, with uh, Hamas and the U.N. when Israel pulled out of Lebanon uh, that the the area between the Israeli border and the Latini River was supposed to be neutral and Hamas was not supposed to be in there? You remember that, Dave? And the UN well, the United was Nations the- was
2: supposed to supervise right, right. and not have Hezbollah right on the right. border. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so what did the United Nations do? Not much. They probably aided them in doing it, Dave. I have no proof of that, but they they, they, they didn't, uh is literally right up to the border with Israel. So, folks, uh, we will keep you, like I said, on the cutting edge. Dave and myself, both of us spend time uh, virtually every day following this, and especially as anything, anything about Jerusalem, uh, I grab right away, because that's ground zero prophecy. Amen, Dave? Amen, John. All right, Dave. Um, give us an update now of um, what's going <clears throat> on in,
2: uh, in the ministry. And Sure, sure. a little any, good news. Any testimony um, you want to
1: give.
2: Yeah, next Sunday, I was invited to give a presentation on the new brochure, um, you know, about the second coming of Jesus in Jerusalem, et cetera, So Pastor Graziano invited me to do a presentation on that. So uh, that's very exciting. That's next Sunday. Now, what's interesting, um, I'm going to give you a little comparison with what's going on with the shipping department. Well, we still have a shipping department, but uh, the shipping department is stuck on the side of the road. We're out of gas, and we have four flat tires. So that's the shipping department right now. Out of funds, and uh, yeah. So it's very sad, John, because the demand is so great. And we're not wasting time or money. Uh, When we ship stuff to Kenya, people get saved. Every time we ship, every time we ship, we get responses, pictures. It's very exciting. But, uh, you know, it's bad timing that we're out of funds. But we need help, John. So that's the update. Real simple.
1: All right. So tell me about – there was something else you told me, Dave about a second church
2: oh yeah um, pastor greg from abundant life um if you remember um you tried sending me the first box of the new tracks and it took too long to get here so i called you up and said john send another box fedex so the fedex box came um i think like the day after the uh the original box came that took like two weeks to get to here so um, that second box, <clears throat> I shipped to uh, Pastor Greg, um, who's on the same page as us. He has a very large church in Holtzville, uh, Long Island. And uh, I have to talk to him. He gave out, I think, the brochures, uh, you know, and uh, he had a big response. But I have to talk to him. I haven't talked to him yet. But that was the plan. He was going to give everybody in the congregation a copy and suggest that the people, you know, give, share it with their friends and relatives.
1: Now, Dave, I'm just curious. Uh, where do you know? Can you tell me where it is located in Holtsville?
2: Yeah, Holtsville, um, off Farrows Road. It's Abundant Life Christian Church. Yeah, I don't and know it's off Farrows Road. I, I don't know what Farrows
1: Road is. Yeah, yeah, that's my old stomping ground. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's off.
2: Um, it's off Nichols Road. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, off Nichols yeah. Road. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I know. Yeah, north north of the expressway, I think.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, well, I know where Nichols Road is and all, so I know the general area. All right, I'm just curious, Dave. Is that a fairly recent church?
2: Um, no, not really. Um, we've been working with him with uh, the pro- you know the prophecy pack. Um, that's the church that printed ten thousand Spanish last trumpets. Oh, okay. You know, this was uh yeah. We've been working with him for a while. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dave. Um, so, yeah. Greg is here. Hello, Brother Greg. Hello, Dave. Hello, guys. All right. Thank you, for everybody, for listening. And, guys, I'll talk to you during the week. God bless. All right. Take care. All
1: right, Brother Greg. Thank you for being here. And uh, did you pick up anything during the week that we missed here about Israel and the Middle East?
3: Uh, Let's see. Pretty much, uh, I've... uh, I've spent hours looking at it, and um, I did call my dad up earlier during the day for celebrate his 95th wow.
0: birthday. Uh,
1: wow.
3: Wow. But he seemed in good, good spirits and everything, so I sent him uh, gospel tracts uh, all the time. So, you know, all he has to do if he wants to get saved or if he isn't, he can just read some of the brochures.
1: Did you send them the uh, Jerusalem brochure?
3: No, I didn't have time. Uh, okay, on that, but I I will send it to them. All
1: right. Um, I wanted to uh, to Greg to pick up on what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine, and somewhat about uh, China. China has seemed to really quiet down. Greg, I mean, there, there was all sorts of talk, and I, it may happen tomorrow, but at least uh, publicly, uh, all sorts of talk about war with Taiwan and and that, it just seemed to have disappeared, Greg. Have you noticed that?
3: Uh, I wasn't looking for it, but uh, <clears throat> what about that campground up northeast of you? What's that? Um, what's, what a, well, uh,
1: that campground, it's, it's not a really a campground. It's a, uh, they built a slum there. And, uh, I, I guess in some sense you could call it a, a campground. It depends upon <laughs> your definition of what a campground is. But are they uh, Chinese? No, 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 oh, they're, okay. they're all, uh, Spanish speaking. So, oh, okay. so. Uh, there was a uh, what would be the word? There was a hearing in uh, in Austin, which is the capital. There was a hearing about it. So they really didn't do anything other than, um, and I didn't even know there was a hearing. I was every day I was looking for it, and they basically said that um, they, they were sending uh, a bigger. State police presence in there, so that's all they did. So sitting above me is about seventy thousand uh, illegal alien enclave. But when you <laughs> w- when you said it's not fun, it's, it's not funny. But no, they they're shooting for a quarter of a million. Wow! Because some of it is like camping out; it's like tents up. Now, I've never been there. In fact, I couldn't, it's, I, I can't quite explain this to you. It would take too much trying to explain it, but I tried to come in from the West into that camp. You can see it on the map, but you, you can't get in from the West. You have to really go around the, um, I guess it would be the Juniana River east of me. I have to go south. And then, east and then north, to get to that get to get to it, so it's a little strange uh but they've got run down trailers there uh people are living in tents uh run down uh, old houses, things like that, so it's not camping not not really camping out there, but it's a slum, a slum. So yeah, it's uh, probably as I sit here to the north is, um, the way I'm fit. No, I'm, I'm all turned around in my house. Uh, that is behind me is the west, south to my left. I'm pointing this way. That's where no, that's east. It's right in front of me. That's north about eight, no more than 10 miles, probably about eight miles is that Colony Ridge uh, where they purposely built a uh, illegal alien uh, city.
3: Wow. So uh, under Biden's uh, permission, probably, huh?
1: Well, it goes beyond that. Uh, It's the uh, state of uh, the the local government knows about it there. And apparently the local state officials are, are really corrupt. And the people here, not, it's not, none of the politicians are, uh, represent me. It's too far, it's right. too far north of me. So, um, but there is a big bureau to vote them out of office. And the one guy that's running is a preacher and I've preached, Steve is his name, I've preached in his church about probably about four times. And then, uh, his father, I don't know how his father knew about me, but his father invited me to come to speak before I moved here when I was preaching in this area. So I preached there once and both him, both the father and the mother died of COVID. I was sad. And then Steve was at a meeting I was at. He was the son and he, uh, he knew, he knew of me, so he invited me to come and speak. And he's the one that gave me the real scoop on what was going on there. But he's running for office because he said, we won't have a place to live here. We're going to be completely, he lives very close to, um, Colony Ridge. So we'll see if, uh, Steve gets through the primary. And then uh, if he wins the primary, he'll win the election. Sure. so they're trying to vote out the local state congressman and I I think the local state senator they want to get him out, they're rhinos right. Uh, these these are the things I wanted to talk about uh, about um, the Ukraine and Russia like, oh oh, let me me talk about China first here Uh, about China is um on every week, I, I could post something every week about the Chinese economy, and uh, it is literally imploding. And Greg, what? Oh, you—that you must have read then what I posted about the uh, Chinese economy.
3: I don't think so. Um, I figured they—they they were over there just because they want to uh, put a fifth column in. But if they're, you know, sincere. Just wanting to live, I don't have anything against it, but they should go through the proper channels.
1: Oh, oh, oh no, 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 Greg. Uh, no, no, the, I told you there's no Chinese. You're talking about Colony Ridge?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's no, no Chinese. Uh, oh, there is Chinese there?
1: No, there isn't. No. Oh, okay. No, it's all Spanish speaking. What uh, I was talking about China looking to go to war with Taiwan. Um, the economy is absolutely uh, free falling, and the economy is lost. Uh, I mean, the stock market has lost, uh, I don't know, tr- some trillion dollars, and the uh, real estate market is collapsing. The local governments are in debt for like hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. And what's happening now? is there was a lot of foreign currency in China and that foreign money is being pulled out in enormous amounts, enormous. So China, if you could picture someone that looked really big and strong and muscular, a powerful uh, weightlifter, and right now it's heading down economically to be a a 100-pound weakling. I mean, it's fast, folks. It's fast what's happening to the Chinese economy uh, with no way of stopping it. Now, and I've said this many times, but I'm going to say it again. Um, I believe that uh, I I don't know exactly what's going to happen to China, but communism is going to die in China, folks, uh, because we are close heading into the tribulation period and tribulation period is going to be uh, classic paganism and worshiping pagan gods and, and all of that. And communism is a form. I guess you could say there's a little bit of it. Uh, I, I guess you, you wouldn't exactly call it uh, worship, but it's the government uh, in control. And that the government controls everything, and communism doesn't fit into the tribulation period. Um, I think what what would fit is the communist control, yes, of like the six 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 system, that would fit in. Uh, but they have to get into the religious aspect. Communism uh, t- it absolutely destroys once it destroyed really any, any religion. I mean, we know that what they have done with Christianity for decades and decades, but they're after Islam now. And there's another group, Greg, have you ever seen that group? It's sort of a religion. Uh, They do exercises.
3: Yeah. When I was in Nashville, they, they were all the Chinese that went to Nashville uh-huh. We're doing those. Right. Something, La Fong or something like that was the name of it. Yeah. And they were, but yeah. the regular Chinese people, they thought it was like a big, uh, uh, they would kill them to yes. Get, yes. make them stop doing that. Right. And then they would take their body parts and sell them on the markets.
1: And so. Well, you're right about killing them. And so the Chinese communists are after killing them. They're after, uh, not so much killing the Christians, although they want to suppress Christianity. And they're doing the same thing with the Muslims, you know, so that communism as we know it has to fall in China and soon folks. So I'm looking at this collapse. Of the Chinese economy as, and like I said, there's no way to stop it. I'm looking at that as the end of communism. And on the other side of it, there'll probably be a huge move of the Lord in China, and there'll be untold numbers of souls coming to Christ. Uh, and then they'll, they won't come to Islam. But that group like and Greg, you had the name there, um there they do like meditation and uh, physical exercise, right
3: yeah I've,
1: that that I forget even, the ex- yeah, I, even if you tell me, I don't think I'd remember the name, but
3: they right. they but, would
1: Greg, they'd easily blend in to uh the horror of Babylon, you know, oh, so, I imagine, so that's yeah. what, that's what's up the road for China now, whether. China goes to war with Taiwan or not. I don't know. I mean, they, they just stopped talking about it. And they used to threaten uh, Taiwan with their airplanes circling Taiwan and their ships circling Taiwan. And they, they, they basically stopped that. So um, something big is going to China, going on China. It's either the lull before the storm or China is uncapable capable of uh, any type of war they'll be like Russia now the thing with Russia folks um, it's non-stop well that's not quite right but it's quite often there's the talk of um, nuclear war with Russia so um, I don't promote it uh, I don't post it as much as I used to but it's still happening and I pro- I posted this one. Vladimir Putin warns Russia's terrifying nuclear triad is ready to take on the West. And as a publicity stunt, he flo- flew in one of these uh, Russian uh, long-range bombers that carries nuclear weapons. It's like our B-52s. He flew in it. There's a big publicity stunt. Um, but. <sighs> We're at the same, and then there's propaganda out there that, um and I wanna, I want you to be aware of this propaganda, that, uh, China, excuse me, Russia is going to attack a NATO country. Now, Russia cannot handle the Ukraine program. Its whole army basically is tied up in the Ukrainian war. How is Russia Talking about uh, Latvia, I believe, uh, was the country. How how were they going to attack a NATO country when they barely can hold in their own against um, against uh Ukraine? It's proven now, and and I'm very careful what I'm posting on this blog because I run into early on I ran into propaganda, and I realized that I can't believe almost nothing as it first is posted. And I got to wait to see what happens, what the truth is. So I would hear that, uh, Russia is overrunning all these Ukrainian positions and Russia is going to take, uh, Kiev and Russia is going to do that. And it turns out that it wasn't true they, and then the Ukraine, and then that, that turns out not true, but what is true, what is true? that Russia has been exposed as a third world military power with nuclear teeth. Um, That is the bottom line. No matter how poor the Russian army, um, I mean, it's poor folks, how it performs. Their generals are like, Greg, they are like, like dumb, seriously, really dumb. Um, They are high tech, is a uh, third world. Um, the Ukraine uh, shot down recently, uh, I think three of their spy planes and the Russian anti-missile system can't defend itself against the Ukraine missiles, which are basically ours and drones. And they're, they're bombing deep into Russia, uh, refineries, bridges, um, uh, factories. Uh, the Russians can't stop it. They've sunk. The Ukrainians don't have a navy, and they sunk. Greg, I don't remember it now, but somewhere around, I think twenty three, twenty four of Russian ships on the Black Sea, and some of them were like cruisers. I mean, really, really big ships. They they can't defend themselves against the missiles coming in. And the Ukrainians have sea drones where these are low profile in the water, like speed boats that they load with explosives or drive them into the ships and, and the Russians can't stop it. So how are the Russians going to be able to defeat NATO, Greg, if they can't stop Ukraine right now? That's the, that's the $24,000 question.
3: Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, what, what you're saying, everything is true. Uh, they did a number on the Ukraine, and then uh, they got some more stuff for them. They came back. The, U- the Ukraine uh, moved right into Russia um, near that bridge and that other, uh, like a underpass. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's some serious stuff going on there.
1: The Russian, the Russians folks, their tanks have been so depleted that they're bringing out of uh, mothballs tanks from uh, the Cold War, 1960s and 70 tanks. Their top of the line tanks have basically been all destroyed. Their air defenses have been destroyed. Their planes cannot fly into Ukraine without getting shot down. Seriously. Um, so... Uh, this this constant talk now of Russia's going to attack another nation uh, unless there's nuclear war involved or something. I, I, Russia can't win. It just can't. They're, NATO has got top-of-the-line weapons and the or are or third world. So, but they do have the nuclear weapons now. The Russians have submarines that can fire them. They have jets, big bombers that can carry them, and they have m- missiles. So, if ninety percent of their uh, nuclear—if they fired their nuclear missiles and and all of that—and ninety percent of them didn't work—if ten percent got through, folks, I mean, forget it. Nuclear war, forget it. There's, there's no like, oh, we got ninety, we shot down ninety percent of their Missiles and planes and all—I mean, ten percent get through. It's over. So that's constantly going, and I—I posted that about Russia. Basically, if Russia's going to lose, if they don't beat the Ukraine, if they're going to lose, they'll—they'll they'll use news. That's basically how this boils down to. Um, yeah, here's another one. Medved—he's a former like president of Russia, warns of nukes on Berlin, London, and Washington before Russia would return to the 1991 borders. Um, so I give I give detail on that. Uh, here's, here, Ukraine says it shot down two more Russian fighter jets, extending its streak to six in the last three days. So, um, these these fighter jets are some of the top line Russian uh, fighters and they can't defend themselves against the, uh, basically it's our, apparently it's come out that our technicians are running the defense, air defenses for the Ukraine. They're all, I can't think of the word, Greg. Do you, you know what our air defense is called? I just can't, I can't think of it. Um, anyways, we're the ones that are manning, uh, the Russian, uh, the Ukrainian air defense system. And as soon as the Russian planes come in to Ukrainian airspace, they get shot down. Su-35 and Su, uh, 34. These are the ones that are being shot down. And so if these planes fly over, um, NATO territory, they're they're, they're all going to get shot down.
3: Well, they lost a few ships, Russia, just like what you were talking about. Uh, And uh, they just went right down. And then the same thing with the the underpass and the overpass, and then the same thing with what you're talking about. And um, so they're kind of like backed up into the corner now.
1: Right, right. So here's how this, you're right, Greg. Here's how this works. As long as Ukraine has our sophisticated weapons, our mean American and NATO weapons, um, and they're willing to fight, I don't, Russia can't beat the Ukraine. The, the losses are too staggering. Um, and if, uh, the Russians can't absorb these losses and begin retreating back, into Russia, that's when all of this could, uh, blow up great and the the potential for nuclear weapons. If Russia does crack the Ukraine and begins to move through the Ukraine, uh, west towards Poland and Romania and Lithuania and all of that, I believe NATO will step in. So at that point, we could have a direct contact between NATO and the Russians. And based upon their performance with the Ukraine, um, the Russians would be obliterated because the NATO Air Force and these long, medium-range, like 200-mile missiles, um, they're precise, Greg. These missiles are literally precise. They fire them 200 miles, and they'll land right on the top of a tank. So the the Russians can't you'd never absorb uh the losses from fighting a NATO army because they've lost so many right now against uh the Ukraine. So there we are, folks. It's all a matter of, and this is the way it's been for months. I, nothing has changed in what I've been sharing with you about um the situation here. It, it's a stalemate and I don't think Russia is going to Use nuclear weapons or attack NATO. If the situation changes and they start winning and NATO uh, comes to the aid of the Ukraine, yeah, it could get real ugly fast. All right. Um, any, any, uh, anything you want to add, Greg, to this situation in, um, in East Europe?
3: Well, uh, <clears throat> I know that, um, the uh, Russian people were getting out of Dodge every chance that they could get. And well, they were driving away and going through Poland and everything. You're right. Buddy, that,
1: you, you touched upon something also, <laughs> and that is um, the depletion of uh, manpower for the military. Russia lost a huge amount. Of, um, tech, high tech people, college students and workers in general. And they left. They went, well, they went, uh, west and south. So yeah, that's a factor. So their army, uh, whatever they lost now, a couple hundred thousand, you add maybe, um, you know, a million to their roles that can't fight because they left the country. So yeah. That's, that's depleted them even more. All right. I'm going to go over, uh, Greg and we're going to look at, um, the critical things to bring that I want everybody to know critically important information. And, uh, I, did you read? Did you get in there, Greg? Is there anything you want to talk about? Um, uh, about that's part of my blog that I posted in.
3: No, I thought that you did a good job with it, and um, it's uh, you're not jumping to any kind of conclusion uh, about exactly what it's going to be, and um, so that was set up like that, and then a lot of it did come to pass really quickly, but like you said before, you're not going to go out go out on a, a curb and like, put all this stuff out in the open, but you do um, – you're doing it, and you're coming out correct. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah, folks.
1: So like I said, I, I don't pull the trigger real quick on this. I wait to see how it plays out. There's so much propaganda, misinformation, disinformation, <laughs> outright lies. And uh, so if you follow what I'm posting, like like what Greg said, it's uh, it may be a little late. Now, some of it I do post right up front. But some of the real key stuff, it's it's a little late because I'm waiting to see what the truth is. Yeah. All right. Um, now, I posted a lot in my section called uh, Critically Important Information. I want to cover a lot of it in the remaining time. So, um, uh, Greg, what I'll do is we'll just comment on it. And if it needs more, we'll spend time. But I'll I'll go to the next one. All right, skyrocketing number of attacks on Christians and church, churches explode. So what's happened is all of what's going on in the media and uh, the way they're attacking us and also um, what as the homosexual agenda, the woke movement advances, they coming, they're coming in direct contact with us. And that's causing really this, um, surge this year or last year in particular. So Greg, there's been an 800% increase in attacks on Christians and churches in America, it was very rare prior to like, uh, 2019, 2018. But since then it's, um, it's really skyrocketing folks. So. Um, I highly, I highly recommend every church beyond now here in, uh there's a huge church. It's probably the biggest one. It's called Lake Lake Lakeland Lakewood. It's uh downtown Houston. It's got about 25,000 per service. I think there's two or three services. So this, uh, transgendered, she's a woman becoming a man uh she came in there with an AK-47 into the church with her seven-year-old son. And uh, as soon as she came in, she began to open up, and there were two. Uh, I think they were kind of aware that she was coming. Um, security saw her, the way she was dressed and all, and so they kind of knew. But anyways, there was a shootout in, in the church, and she was killed. And her seven-year-old boy was shot in the head. Now, they didn't report whether she did it or whether it was because of the gunfight. But anyway, she was killed. And uh, right there, that happened just last, I think it was last Sunday, a a week ago.
3: Then you had Lincoln Riley. Uh, That was really terrible. Was she the one Uh, in
1: uh, Nashville?
3: no not nashville uh it was in uh, oh
1: i mean i I know the name, but I just can't
3: please it just it happened. happened uh it was a uh, one of those uh, refugees that had been it put in jail before oh and then oh they let yeah. them
1: out. oh 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 yeah 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 um that's where the name is familiar to me yeah that's that was in Georgia. And he was yeah. arrest, arrested in New York for doing all sorts of things. They let him go, and uh, now he had a wife in New York, and he left, and he went down to Georgia. And instead of being deported, they let him go, and he just apparently stalked some young woman and uh, murdered her as she was jogging, uh, like in the morning. Just, just, just happened.
3: Yeah. Right, and he yeah. he just came in there. Uh, excuse me. He just came in there and I think he had a, some other family member with him, but uh, I don't know if he was charged with anything, but, uh, but he just killed her in cold blood.
1: Yeah.
3: Right. uh, Exactly.
1: All right. Uh,
3: They had had a big, big services for, they had, uh, I think millions of dollars uh, were, you know, like, uh, and um, it's just just a really uh, a sad thing. I think it touched the whole country.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean he was an illegal alien that committed horrific crimes in New York. I, I forget what it was, but he committed crimes in New York, and they arrested him and they let him go. He went down to Georgia, and killed a woman. This blood is on Joe Biden's hands. I mean that he. If if he followed the law, first of all, this man wouldn't have been here. Second of all, they would have been deported, and that would have been the end of yeah. that. That woman would be alive. Oh yeah, yeah, amen. All right. Trump pledges uh, to defend Christianity against the left, which he wants to t- which wants to tear down crosses. Uh, remember, every communist regime. This is Trump throughout history has tried to stamp out the churches, just like every fascist regime has tried to co-opt them and control them. And in America, the radical left is trying to do both. Trump told hundreds of cheering attendees at the National Religious Broadcasters, International Christian Media Convention. They want to tear down uh, crosses where they can and cover them up with social justice flags. Trump added, "There is, there is no, but no one will be touching the cross of Christ when the Trump administ- uh, under the Trump administration. I swear to you. All right, just to let you know what's being said here, folks. Now this is really good. Uh, and, and, well, it, it talks about Trump again. Trump calls on a, a, a Alabama legislature to find a way to preserve um, IVF." And, in, in uh, that's fertilization group sides with the miracle of life. So what happened was the Alabama Supreme Court decided uh, based on their constitution that life begins at conception and that, uh, the, so that at conception, the child in the womb has constitutional rights. Which is huge, folks. This is huge. Uh, the Supreme Court said we don't know when life begins. Um, and that's ridiculous, Greg. That is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And, and the, uh, one, one, I remember one Supreme Court justice and I can't remember his name, but he said only when a child is born does it have constitutional rights. So when a baby is in the womb, uh it has no rights whatsoever. So now Alabama has come out really clear and said that uh, from conception, uh we have constitutional rights. We're identified as a human being. So that just really happened, folks, this week. And that that is wonderful, Greg. I mean, what a contrast. On one end, you get wicked, wicked, wicked states like New York and California, just to mention a few, who absolutely want to slaughter the babies up to the moment of birth. And now we have other states like Alabama and Texas is there, too, that are saying the baby is a human being and its rights are to be protected. They can't be killed. What a! Could you have Greg any more of a contrast in America than this?
3: Well, you had Judge Roy Moore. Yes, and uh, he he came into town, and I went to see him, and it was a big crowd there, and um, he was right on. I mean he he had stuff. That he he didn't even have to look at any papers or anything. It was all right in his head. He could just rattle it all off and it was so uh interesting and um it was fantastic and then ever since then his wife has had me on Facebook and she's like uh very uh very nice oh that's interesting um, i don't man. usually go on facebook but i i i do for her and some other you know people you
1: know wow wow i i i heard him interviewed by some hard leftists when that brouhaha was going on with him years back remember
3: yeah yeah that's one that yeah
1: and and so um this hard left is was really smooth he was really slick and he wasn't like a normal brain dead uh hard left um there you know like um interviewer i forget what they're called you know, like Hannity. Uh, what what do you call him? They have hard um, le- they have hard left wings Anyways, uh, well, I was really shocked how uh, brilliant uh, the judge was and how articulate he was, and he countered everything that this hard left uh, legal expert he would be uh, was trying right. trying to trip up. And Judge Roy Moore was saying, "Well, in the uh, 1898 decision of such and such and such, the court, ruled that we were a Christian nation." And he just everything this guy said, he he counted him with the law. So it was right. super. I was I left really impressed. How cool he was! How clear he was! How sharp he was. And, uh, just to add to that, they had, when they, uh, uh, blocked him from the, the Supreme Court, uh, he went into lawsuits against for defamation and of his character and all. And very quietly, without any fanfare, he won every one of them, Greg.
3: Uh, yeah, he's, um, um, He's he's top of the line. And then another side thing to this, Tommy Tomerville yes. was um, going down these stairs, uh, ready to leave the uh, office building that he was in right there, and he got attacked by that jerk. And uh, so he, did, he didn't even, uh, like, make a big deal out of it. He just went down there to the sergeant of arms and said, look, Uh, I got attacked by him, but don't make a big deal out of it. Let's just see what happens. That's how crazy the left is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are dangerous. Uh, They are losing their minds because the government is their God. So they have to have the Supreme Court their way and the legislature their way, federal and state. If it doesn't go their way, uh, they have no recourse other than to uh, go get severely depressed, uh, get violent, and that's what we're seeing now with these people. Um, right.
3: The, the, then he had Tommy Tuberville. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He was um, having after the games. He was having baptisms, water baptisms, and praying people through and everything. Uh,
1: yeah, they went wild on that and tried to stop him.
3: Yeah. Yep, just like they they couldn't stop.
1: That was at um, Auburn, Auburn University. They had a they had a a, a meeting for the Lord, and a couple hundred came to Christ. And then outside, there's a like a little small lake in uh, in Auburn University on campus. So the whole crowd of people was in the large crowd. They went out there and they started. They baptized the uh, uh, the people that had just come to Christ at the meeting, and the hard left went crazy over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's another one. Um, what's happening in Kentucky? And I, I I thank the Lord for this, Greg. It might be viewed as a small step, but I when I read this, I said, Lord thank you thank you thank you now in kentucky it it, they they're passing legislation called religious freedom restoration act that a government cannot substantially burden an individual's freedom of religion and assure that kentuckians are free to live and work according to their faith without fear of being unjustly punished by their government in short this bill would formalized definitions of what it means to have one's religious liberty substantially burdened by the government and give private right of action steps an individual can take to seek damages should this happen. The definition of substantially burdened would include any action that directly or indirectly constrains, inhibits, curtails, or denies the exercise of religion by any person or compels any action contrary to a person's exercise of religion. Now, what this is about, this is about anyone in the Kentucky uh, government. Now, that's um, not not federal, but state or local, and it has to do with marriage. So if a person is a, um, uh, what do you call them, Greg, those judges that marry people? Um, justice of the peace and that person does not want to quote marry two homosexuals that the that justice of the peace can deny it and not be subject to um, lawsuits if a clerk is preparing paperwork and john smith is going to marry bill jones that clerk does not have to complete the forms And can give it back to the person and saying, I'm sorry, this um, violates my religious beliefs and I cannot, I cannot fulfill, I cannot uh, accept this paperwork. So this, this is a, I know it's a small step, but I really thank the Lord. This is protecting the people of Kentucky when it comes to illegal. Well, it comes to homosexual marriage that they do not have to partake, participate in. it. I think this is
3: when true. you uh, you wrote your first book. And uh, <clears throat> I bought the book uh, from you when I met you in da- Dallas. But uh, there was a uh, that paper that was going around. And it had like some short things on on it, you know, like about the homosexuals and stuff. And if it said, "If you have, uh, you wrote in the, in your book, if you have a, a state senator or a state, um, whatever it is, that you need to get out of Dodge, basically. Remember that? Yes. Well, yes. that was what made me leave uh, Las Vegas." I just turned around. I gave them my thing because I had just worked in this Siegfried Roy's changing room thing, (laughs) and um, the both the guys that were my bosses they said, "Look, I don't, I don't blame you for doing this, and uh, you know, so just be good, and uh, everything will work out." So I just gave them my thing and took off down the road and wow. you were the first one I talked to.
1: Yeah, I remember that great in Dallas. We met in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It's a bright sunny day and I I left to go outside for some reason and then I sat on a park bench and there you came. Or you were there and I sat next to you. Well, something happened like that.
3: Yeah, there there was a uh a bench there so we we got to talking and then, uh Joan Vion was uh she was giving her regular spiel and everything which I had heard so many times you know
1: she ended and up passing uh, away she passed away
3: yeah i heard that that's she was right on you know
1: she didn't live too far from me in uh Pennsylvania i lived near Harrisburg and she was in um that city south. Oh, what was the name of that city? <laughs> I can't remember mm-hmm. now. Yeah, but she lived live probably about. And I want to hear from me. I was kind of shocked to hear she had passed away. She had passed. Away.
3: Yeah, that, definitely. Um, I want
1: to update something here. I read to you about Kentucky, but actually there was two things going on, and one was about Tennessee, and the Tennessee governor signed the law allowing public officials to decline performance uh, perform marriages they disagree with so that is law now in Tennessee Kentucky is in the process of making it a law so folks we gotta we gotta really thank the Lord for this these are in the, in the light of the atmosphere we live in this is huge for you. and it's part of the nation dividing up because Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas have nothing in common with New York and California, folks. Nothing. Nothing. Um, there's an article here that I'd like you to read. Now, this blog is titled um, Critically Important Information. It's dated today, February 25th. If you scroll down on it, you'll see it's in red. Corporate Christianity replaces God with science and spirituality with mental health. Please, please, please read this. It has to do, like, partly with my ministry of Jesus Christ heals the broken heart. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And this is supplanting psychology and drugs uh, with Jesus Christ healing the broken heart. He's out of the picture in this film. It's psychology that will do it and drugs. And in it, uh, there's about a 12 minute, 13 minute video. Please, please, please watch the video. Um, it is an incredible, um, video of showing how the drugs are a concoction of the, of the psychiatrist and psychologist with the pharmaceutical industry with billions of dollars at stake. <laughs> Um, it is a tremendous video for 12 minutes. So please, um, I highly advise everybody to, uh, to watch that video with me. So the article is in corporate Christianity replaces God with science and spirituality with mental health. And I have what five blogs I post one, two, three, four, five, yeah, five. So it's one overall blog. But within it, I've got five subdivisions is the best way to explain it. This one is critically important information. And uh, today's date, February 25th. It's very easy to get to my blog. It's mct911.com mct911.com And the uh, brochures are easy to get to that's uh, mctbrochures.com brochures.com all right uh brother greg a word of exhortation
3: well jesus said he's the way the truth and the life and no man cometh unto him but to the father but by him so that's john uh 14 6. six. and then if you uh, would like to be saved tonight All you have to do is uh, say a simple sinner's prayer, and uh, nobody can save you. You have to trust Jesus. So So let's just say this prayer together if you're not saved, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that Christ has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Admit that you're a sinner and be willing to turn away from your sins and believe that Jesus died for you. And was uh, buried and baptized, and was uh, rose from the dead. And we thank you, Lord, uh, for everything that you've done. We thank you for this ministry, and through prayer, invite Jesus right now into your heart as your personal Savior, and you will not be uh, you will not be denied, and you will be a born again Christian.
1: Amen, John. Amen. Amen. Repentance, repentance and confessing Jesus Christ, um, died on the cross and shed his blood to pay the price of your sin. Greg, and always remember that he bodily rose from the dead. That's, uh, Amen. that's a part of the, uh, uh, gospel that we believe not only did he die, but he rose bodily from the dead. So thank you, brother Greg. Thank you for coming. Uh, I enjoy having you on, uh, on Sunday nights so God bless everybody now tomorrow at um, 10 a.m. Eastern we have prayer same we I stream uh, every morning except uh, uh, during the week except for Wednesday morning and then at night we have a open sometimes pastor Fred comes and he teaches he's an incredible teacher folks I think he's I spoke to him today I think he's coming uh tomorrow night. So he teaches for somewhere around an hour, maybe a little less, forty five minutes, and then we pray after that until there's nothing else to pray for. Greg, you're usually there on Monday nights, right? Yeah. Could you yep. put a pl- you could you put a plug in for Pastor Greg uh Pastor Fred's teaching?
3: Oh yeah, he's uh he's got it all uh and he backs it up through the scriptures. And he has an interesting uh, life before he came over here. Uh, was a, uh, was what was a, the name of that uh, New, place New, he was in? New uh,
1: Guinea. New Guinea. He was a missionary yeah, New in Guinea. New Guinea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. Greg,
1: God bless you. You have a wonderful night. And uh, You too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. God bless everybody. Bye now.
0: I am thinking, thinking of the rapture in that blessed home on high when the redeemed are we in. How we'll sing that heavenly anthem in that city in the sky the when the redeemed are gathering in. Now, when the redeemed are oh, gathering in, Watch we're like, we're snow. like snow, and we'll sin Oh, how we will shout. Gathering in. gathering in. We will sing redemption's story with our voices loud and long. when the redeemed again in, Then the angels have to listen for they cannot sing this song when the redeemed